welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this is Life, life Pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. We'll pair it with alcohol. The lights are out? Don't worry. I have batteries and candles and water. I just stored them somewhere smart for emergencies, which I can totally remember putting in a different house. That was a different house. Oh, crap. As today's Life Pairing is emergency prep with cool first aid we discuss uh duffel bags wine storage and underground Uh, tunnels (laughs) sorry i forgot to give Brittany my topics by the way we were supposed to record three hours ago three hours ago we (laughs) but Brittany found mulled wine and now well i've been drinking my wild wine but Brittany's never had it so you understand It just got uh, out of hand. We recorded two episodes today, <laughs> and the last episode petered into the second episode by three yeah. hours. Yeah, we were chatting. So, we had a lot to chat about. <laughs> but hey, did you like what I came up with, like on the spot? You did a very good job, Brittany. Thank you very much. I felt like I was, I was uh, locked in. No way we're going to talk about any of it. So that's, but uh, that's always I, the fun part. You never know. You never know what it's going to be. With our little three discussion points. Um, also, Carla yelled at me before the podcast came on, and she said, "Fill up your wine and let's go." And then it just went beep boop, and it was recording. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "I, I didn't got want to it. give you too much time to think about it." Yeah, no, it it was invigorating. I felt like I was like it. Honestly, like I was like, "Okay," I felt like I was playing sports again. <laughs> I'm like, get out do there! Do your and best at sports. Yeah, podcasting. Knock off the wine and get out there and do your best. No, knock on the wine. Yeah, knock on. Yeah. Alcohol. Uh, oh, yeah. I said whining, podcast. but you're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Knock, knock <laughs> on the wine. Um, oh, sorry. Boy. Well, we're going to be fun today. Uh, emergency prep. Super fun. What are, you, what, what are your thoughts, feelings? Uh, I like it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with I think we're both a little, little bit of an emergency hoarder kind of mentality to us. I like to be prepared. I yeah. like to have three options if the first one didn't work. I'm yes. which which is like I I am in so many ways not prepared for life. Like, no. <laughs> like if you ask me to do a book report, it's getting done on the last day and I have no knowledge of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But if if you're like, hey, we're going on a camping trip, I'm just like, okay, I've got three routes planned. I've got like <laughs> Like I'm, I have like 19 different food options. Like I am, I like to be prepared for this sort of a thing. Like if something happens, I like a bug out bag. Right. And we've talked about this, I think in the anxiety podcast that it's a way of controlling the anxiety. It's a way of. Yeah. um, Also, we did, we've been through. Okay. So in the last week one of us has been in a flood mudslide not you were in it but there was one and you got stuck in a in tawasin in vancouver during the great what's it called (laughs) 2021 got stuck at my delightful cousin's house who yeah i i in all sincerity though i Mm -hmm. was i was prepared for being stuck like without knowing if i would get stuck or not like when i left calgary and was driving to vancouver without any knowledge of this happening because i certainly wouldn't have driven my car that i had to leave there 
which I'm going back to get in a week. Um, I certainly wouldn't have done that, but I would have like, I was prepared for that. Like in my car at all times, I carry winter boots, like two sets of winter boots, high ones, short ones. I have snow pants, a full winter uh, jacket, like a full like parka. Mm-hmm. I have a full base layer packed at all times, suitable socks. I have extra food, like stuff in cans and stuff like beef jerky and stuff that I can always like doesn't need to be cooked. And I always yeah. am sustained food wise. I always carry a shovel and I always carry a wool blanket, a pillow. I always carry some sort of fire source, like a lighter, and I always carry a knife. And I okay, always, so currently always, in my car, I have an umbrella. And I always, so always, always carry a flashlight. Oh yeah, always yeah. a flashlight because there you wouldn't, you'd be surprised how many times you need a flashlight. Right. Um, Damn, I'm not. But so prepared. yeah, so I, I also am, have I have the emergency first aid purse. Does that count? <laughs> Yeah. Which you've had to use on most on a few occasions. The honestly, that that's a thing too. Like I and I typically have a first aid kit carried with me in my car. It's, there you go. It's for me though. I travel a lot. I travel a lot through yeah. the mountains. I travel a lot in really sketchy conditions. So I never want to be in a situation where I'm cold, I'm hungry, or I can't get a hold of somebody. Right. So like. I'd carry things that would prevent that from happening. So I'm not nice. like, I don't have, I don't have like a, a bunker in my yard, <laughs> but Fair. I, I always typically have a stocked car that if in any in instance I could get in my car and go and be okay for at least 72 hours. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in all sincerity, I was prepared for that event. I like, yeah. it, it didn't, it didn't, happened to me in that way like I got turned around and I had to uh, go back but I also had enough clothes enough food enough like I wouldn't have had to stop like I did stop because the convenience was accessible like I was like yeah I'll grab another sandwich I'll stop and make a phone call I'll but like if anything had happened like I had a knife to make firewood. I had a wow. lighter to ma- light a fire. I had <laughs> like a wool blanket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, maybe I'm a bit more of an emergency prep uh, enthusiast rather than actual. I, I think, think I have a plan, but not a, not a, not actually prepared. I mean, my thing is, yeah. Okay. So like I was saying, my purse yeah. is an emergency prep thing. I've got all the drugs. <laughs> I've got band-aids I got outshined by the way on this weekend I was in Vancouver I went to Vancouver on a plane like a non-crazy person um, <laughs> yeah, I always uh, drive there Yeah, I always drive there too but I don't drive I specifically will not drive to Vancouver from Calgary between uh, mid-September and the beginning of May just because it generally is not great weather and I have been stuck behind a mudslide but not yeah it was fine. It was a minor one, but that is the um, correct decision. <laughs> you know what you, <laughs> you don't have, have to choice. carry. Hey, if you don't, you mm. know what you don't have to carry if you fly a shovel. <laughs> yeah, I think they actually frown upon that. Yeah, uh, if you bring <laughs> in your they're bombed out for sure. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, my purse is always full, and actually, this is gets me into trouble at airports because I have a whole bunch of shit in my purse. Right. I'm like, you know, obviously hand sanitizer, but from before the day. 
Uh, also, like I, I used to spend a lot of time where I would go to work and then I have to go out after. You got to have all the makeup. You got to have all the like hair stuff, but in small, <laughs> for- tiny form. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I went, I got outshone on the weekend when I went to Vancouver and a uh, friend of the pod, JT, she also has a, what we would call a mom purse, I guess. Yeah. But neither of us are moms. And she, she had the, I didn't have the band-aids that day. That day. Yeah. Always carry bags. so um yeah that's my kind of emergency preppy thing I try to like when I was living in Vancouver I tried to be a bit better I remember getting uh one of those uh wind up radio light phone yeah those are great no no they're not great they don't actually really like you have to sit there to to keep the I think the light on is fine and probably the radio yeah but uh, we lived in New Westminster, which their power goes out every, like, I don't know, two weeks or something. <laughs> it's 100,000 years old. Um, but it's Canada, so it's really not that old. But there uh, would always go with the power. So I would have that. But then you would want to charge something. And you literally have to sit there winding the thing the whole time trying to just get, like, 1% of charge. And you're like, damn, phones are hard to charge. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, this requires a lot of power. Yeah. Oh, I will say uh, that. That's another thing I carry. Um, mm. I always carry a charge sa- power supply. <laughs> but then like you, it, they always lose their power by the time you go to use them. No, I charge it before I leave. Okay. You are a very... You should do a website. For... Um, but the only thing is, is be, this is just lessons learned from traveling right. to yes. uh, remote places and being yeah. without something. Like... I don't like being without a winter jacket or a rain jacket because being wet or being cold is very frustrating and you can't make rational decisions. You can't really change that. Yeah. You can't like, you can't go like, okay, I'm warm enough to like make a rational choice. You're just desperately trying to get out of the rain or get out of the cold. So you can't yeah. think. So if you're like warm, which is, this is now a new thing I do. And I don't know if this is an age thing. In hmm. the winter, if it gets like, you know, we live in Canada, it gets below uh, zero all the time. It's mm-hmm. typically minus 20, certainly here in Calgary for most of the winter. I just wear a base layer all the time right. because I'm just at an age where I refuse to be cold for no reason. My brother lives in uh, Fernie and he's a big like outdoor guy. And mm-hmm. he's just gotten it into my mind that I just need to be warm at all times. So he's bought me so much stuff for like over the years. Like Christmas right. and stuff, like proper base layers and proper like uh, stuff that I just know will keep me warm. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm just obsessed with it. I'm just like, I refuse to be cold. <laughs> There's right. no reason to. I uh, have a weird thing because when I gained all this weight, yeah, um, you get hot all the time. You're sweaty all the time. Right. So that people a base should tell you that help. when you're eating like too much too many like chips or burgers or something. <laughs> they're like by the way you're gonna be sweaty all the time do you want to be sweaty so all the time fucking hot in, yeah like, who cares months. if you have to buy more clothes being sweaty all the time sucks and like that's the one thing that i that 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 doesn't work well in more humid climates in yeah like, being the sort of more wetter is climates. not great no because you're already wet so, um being moist all the time is not not super fun but again, that's what a base layer is for. It wicks away all that. It wicks away any sweat. Uh, Vancouver, though, very a place that you should be emergency prepped for in terms of Vancouver, or sorry, in terms of uh, earthquakes. 
Yeah, and but... this is all this this city is only coming up because I was just stuck there. Yeah, um, and I was just there. Yeah. But that and that's where I've done most of my emergency prep. I there's not a lot of emergency prep in the UK. We did have a flood. Um, right. But it wasn't it, was it wasn't fine. overlay like. Yeah. Somebody guess... was uh somebody in a car park did do a uh, wakeboard through a car park, like a a parkade that was full of water. That's exciting. So, that was fun. Um but yeah, emergency prep is much more in I mean, like like I said, Vancouver is an earthquake place where you should do emergency prep, but there's not a lot of emergencies. Right. Calgary. Uh, a little bit more, maybe. I think. Sometimes every- we almost have tornadoes. But you want to know something? The city mm-hmm. is not the thing you're emergency prepping for. <laughs> it's when you leave the city. It's when you leave the comforts of society that you should be prepared for being alone and being without food and being without because i feel like the focus for a lot of like because this is all we're not going to talk about preppers because i think we'd like to just do our own episode on preppers is that right uh maybe yeah or i kind of preppers no yeah, even talk I, about That's I mean there's no there's no real like psychology on uh just emergency prep per se right. <laughs> there like, wasn't a lot of history on emergency prep i there. mean but i just whole- mean like the, the majority of the um, culture around emergency prep is for your own home. So it's interesting to actually, you're right, it's more likely to happen to you on the road. Or uh, when you have to leave your home or when you have yeah. to leave a city. So yeah. that's what's happening. To, like currently right now, there is a complete evacuation order of cities, of full right. cities. Yeah. And they're being asked to leave their home with nothing but stuff on their back so but now the government of of british columbia is now saying like you need to leave your home with 72 hours food and 72 hours supply and medication and blankets and so like having a bag that has that stuff is not a bad idea because and especially when you know there's something happening like okay like let's get a bag together that has we could live on this food and we could live and we could stay warm and like it's all climate you know based so right um yeah so but i what i was looking to psychology wise was more like what starts this prepping like what why are we doing it if it's not provoked i'll be honest like today when i went to the grocery store i noticed because it um all of our food generally comes into the port in vancouver and then has to come uh east into the rest of canada so we may not get a lot of food and stuff and i noticed today a lot of more um like lots we didn't have of produce, produce and stuff. Yeah. yeah and so instantly in my head i go well, you better start buying and this is my this is what i thought yeah you better start buying all that stuff you need for christmas <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. anything of like you better get a salad going here it was like no 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 so yeah there must be some I mean, I, I guess, yeah. What, what? I'm guessing evo- evolutionary thinking. Well, actually, or... hilariously enough, uh, just real negative thinking. Oh, <laughs> like, like well. people, people who are, uh, I would imagine, like the, the this article was from Psychology uh, Today, which is one of my favorite. Uh, I was like, which you've never read before. Which I've never uh-huh. once visited before. It just comes up and <laughs> it's so succinct, and people are. Uh, it's typically yeah. a. It's typically a psychologist and not like a 
<laughs> it's not like <laughs> crazy Daniel. blog person that yeah it's not like daniel title. from syracuse thinks that prepping is <laughs> whack it's usually like this is like somebody who ran a study <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah but so this person actually started um they're a therapist uh or not a therapist a psychologist rather uh they started a study in the uk and they came out with this questionnaire and the questionnaire was designed to see like to answer three questions and the questions were the three like uh theories they were trying to sort of understand was like or prove was prepping beliefs encompasses a pessimistic worldwide view that doom is imminent and people are uncooperative and resources are limited interesting yeah i know yeah you're right i never really tied it to a negative thinking but yeah yes that makes sense so that's kind of what they were trying to accomplish was just like see like if this was that like is it because people are pessimistic is it because they think things are going to fail is it because they think like people are not uh willing to work together yeah um and then it was all focused around this but this study was started in 2019 and and then and then they're like guess what we got to really test it um and then yeah exactly that's what he says he goes like this was all just in um theory it was all just sort of like a hypothesis like what what could this potentially like is it because people think this Mm -hmm. and then when 2020 came (laughs) and we all had to do it it, that's when covid came yeah uh they basically learned that like people are just trying to survive so it's like when we're actually like put into a position like the people who were prepared Mm -hmm. who everyone would thought was crazy people think are less crazy now when we thought they were really crazy before they're like they're like preparing for an apocalypse and preparing for pandemics and preparing for things like they people thought would never happen they were like oh you guys are just like what do you think's gonna happen it's like you're so negative you're so this and it's just like whoa we had totally wrong thing like in terms of this specific article so he was just like he was just like yeah like okay now we've learned that actually when supply chains start failing people Mm. go ballistic yeah. which is like See when the uh, toilet paper run of 2020 100% like people were like I love that even... that's that's what we did we were like water uh yeah. I mean I'm sure we did water hoarding but like we were like our bum bums need to be clean clean also just like I love that we're still on this like we need paper to clean poop off of our skin it's like that's not hey that's not clean <laughs> that's a Trevor is it Trevor K no Trevor Trevor uh, Hold on. K Trevor Wilson. K Trevor Wilson. I can never get that right. Um, Yeah, his joke. But then also, just anytime you go and talk to anybody about a bidet, they're like, if you get shit on your arm, do you just wipe it off with a dry piece of paper? You're like, no. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's. I'm I'm big on the bidet thing. And that became a very big thing, I think, also during the COVID thing because we We ran out of toilet paper. Did we ever actually run out of toilet paper? Does anybody know? No one ran out of toilet paper. And also, so this is happening right now in BC where they have gas shortages, but something really cool is happening. Oh. Everybody is, most people, like they just only really probably need like 70% of people to buy into it and it's fine. Yeah. And like 90% 90 of people are 
doing the right okay. thing. So you're yeah. there's a gas shortage, so they're only filling. You're only allowed to fill up with thirty liters of gas, yeah. and no more. And uh, that's fine. People are just doing that. And if they fill up half a tank, they like the government has said, like, hey, if you only put half a tank in, but you feel like that'll sustain you for the next like week, please yeah. only do that. Even if it's right. not 30 liters, like just do that. So everybody's yeah. been like pretty like, you know, respectful and respectful and cooperative about it. So yeah. that that's a big thing. I do too. have to say they did do a run on uh, toilet paper. And the thing is that my old home, my old town, New Westminster, that's where the toilet paper comes from. Really? So, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> The, the toilet the, paper's in New West. You're okay. I don't. You, maybe they'll share. Maybe they won't share. I don't know. I'm sure they're they like it's New fine. West is a kind community. They would share. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's actually it's actually uh, going pretty good. So people are they're finding people actually more often than not in a situation like this are pretty cooperative, and are yeah. pretty. They people want to build the community back up. However, hmm. there is panic that sets in around food like that's why grocery stores will go empty because people are like i also just have like i have a panic because i'm like well what if i'm sitting at home on a tuesday night and it's 11 o'clock and i can't go to the grocery store and i really want this thing yeah but i already ate the one that i'm currently buying now (laughs) i buy things like weird i'll buy like if i think like like in this pandemic like Mm. i went to the store and bought like fuck like so like chickpeas and like dried stuff and like i just yeah. bought, like now i have so much dried pasta and chickpeas <laughs> and i don't know what to do with it may i suggest uh doing we'll have to do this in episode, but uh andy and i have been doing this for years it's like uh instead of a dry january it's like clean out your cupboards so we try not to buy the only thing we buy in january is uh fresh fruit and veg that's amazing and we just go through all of like and we're bad. Like we go through our freezer. We go through like yeah, the like seven that you know that recipe one time called for you know chickpeas and you accidentally bought two cans or some yeah. weird thing. So yeah, in January we're just like, okay, we're having uh this weird curry with this thing that I found in the back of the cupboard, and... <laughs> which I kind of love that dude. That's actually really it's, fun. It's good. Sometimes the meals are great. Most of the time when you're not going to like a plan of thing yeah that is great but it's a good way to clean out uh your emergency preparedness uh uh cupboard that maybe doesn't need to keep that 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 stocked yeah i like it well that's so the whole thing is is like so this article was like surf i i love that idea dude that's so Mm. great i i think that's (laughs) like something that we should just like we should start doing yeah which is like otherwise you'll end up with like 17 frozen pizzas in your fridge and i honestly your freezer we do end up throwing away like stuff that i wish that we like i'm I'm a little bit like humiliated about sometimes when i have to throw out like cans of stuff and i'm like oh man we yeah. had a perfect opportunity to eat this like i know but you know, um, you but just, i do actually try to bit. i try to stock like dry food that we like eating anyways so like mm-hmm. itchy ba- like we'll never have enough itchy ban right like me and chelsea we eat my sister we eat like so much ramen it's ridiculous yeah. so there's no like it, we we could never have enough ramen we can never have enough soup uh we can never have enough like we buy these dried hash browns from costco <laughs> nice. which are like probably meant for like people on spaceships but we don't care 
Um, (laughs) But like, there's just, there are some stuff that I like to, I just like to have on hand. Even, even honestly, if company comes over and I need to make a big breakfast, I'm like, oh man, Mm -hmm. I got like seven boxes of dried hash browns that I can fire off. Um, But yeah, so the whole thing about this is like, um, people depend, if it's food, people are going to go bananas. Right. If it's resources, most time people will share. Like if it's like, you know, like let's light a fire and let's keep people warm and blankets and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. but food, we're way too like instinctual about. That's interesting. Like that's why grocery shelves have been just absolutely demolished. Mm-hmm. Like I watched, I walked into like a place and was like, oh my God, there's no vegetables and there's no meat. Like I don't know what to do here. And we worked yeah. in a grocery store, you and I. Yeah. So, like, seeing that... This is not something that we've ever seen. We're like, whoa! Like, because we're like, we know there's more in the back. We know we can stock it. Like, that's <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Ooh, maybe you can give us a little history. Sure. So, um, this is not something that I actually am at all going to reference, but I was reading The Splendid and the Vile, which is a history book about the blackout during world war ii and like the air raids okay during the covid times and uh nothing makes you feel better than being like oh at least i'm not being bombed (laughs) so i wanted to talk about the uh, preparations for world war ii that they did in london in england uh for the which they were right with the bomb the, the bombing that was coming for them so um, a lot of this information actually came from Imperial Wartime Museum, but if you uh, want to, I would check out that book. So, okay, uh, it just turns out Audible doesn't keep notes as well as I thought it did. So, all because you've listened to it. <laughs> um, okay, so you had people that were called air raid fire watchers, and they were in charge for the most part. This is one of the things that you could do. You could volunteer for this um, and look out for. incendiaries thank you bombs uh, because they would start fires really quickly and so that's not something you want in the middle of like a huge city like london um so they were in charge of using something called the stirrup pump and they would volunteer with their neighbors for doing watch rotas um and they also had to do this at factories and other workplaces um, and it's estimated they appointed 300,000 citizen volunteers to be trained as air raid precaution wardens. Whoa. Yeah. Which 300? Like maybe, yeah. Th- no, 300,000. Sorry. Oh, wow. Three? Yeah. 300,000. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's not very many, but. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you're like, all right. Well, that's fine. I was like, um, we didn't really have any volunteer uh, things in. I guess you could phone your on your neighbor and report your neighbor for having a party or whatever. Yeah, that was the... <laughs> yeah, which was basically like a squeal watch. Ner- <laughs> nerd patrol. Nerd patrol. Um, masks. Oh. Whoa, I know. Okay, so World War One, obviously, they had... Um, I want to say they had a gas problem, but that's not nice. Um, <laughs> they had a fart problem. They, had, they used gas quite a bit in the uh, trenches. So they, uh, UK government really believed that that was going to be another problem in World War II. 
So they encourage people to wear to carry gas masks all the time. So actually, you got issued a gas mask. Oh, which are those like huge? Like yeah, they're like, not. I've yeah, I've definitely worn like something similar to them when I've like worked in sh- shitty conditions, and they're oh. huge. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I have no idea. Like people won't even pay for us to get. You know, like the government didn't exactly send us all masks for COVID, but yeah. Um. And and apparently, initially, this was like back at the beginning of the war. Initially, some companies would send employees home who didn't have their masks. Okay. So, so like, kind of yeah, similar to now yeah. when if you don't have the vaccine, you cannot. Or also, if you didn't you didn't have a mask. mask, yeah, yeah. Um, and some places of entertainment refused customers who didn't have them. Ooh. They weren't even having to wear them. They just had to carry them. Although, if I was going out to the pub, I would lose my mask 100%. <laughs> so. And I can't, like, I've honestly, in the last, like, week, I've had to, like, go into a place and be like, do you have extra masks? I forgot mine. I, yeah. Um, kind of some cool things. So, not cool. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go with the word cool. Uh, the air raid, air raid wardens actually had special gas rattles and whistles that would alert to a gas attack. So it kind of looks like a little children's um, like sp- spinny toy that like kind of makes a rattle noise. Okay. I'm actually going to send you, and I will put this in the notes, there's some really good pictures of stuff. This is actually more just posters, but I'm not sure if this maybe had a picture of it. So these are, I'm just sending you posters, but this is in the notes. Uh, these are posters that were basically put up during the, uh, to, to make like sort of the civilians prepare for the air raids. Right. Uh, so kind of interesting. But um, anyway, so going back to the gas masks, um, really cool. This is what I think is cool. The post boxes, so your mailboxes and your lamp posts were painted with a substance that apparently could show the appearance of gas. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's pretty that's like cool. early on to have that technology. I know. I mean, that is obviously then dependent on the gas that they're using being the same gas that was from before. Uh, but still, it's kind of a neat piece of technology. Yeah, definitely. Uh, people were also encouraged to fill the gaps in their windows and their doors to prevent any gas seeping in, which I feel like is one of those... Um, like hide under your desk kind of things yeah like uh should we put the tin hat on i guess shall we hide under the desk i suppose (laughs) (laughs) what's that from uh i don't know what is that uh, 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 um i'll think of it (laughs) okay uh speaking of shelters so they actually distributed and i don't know if you had to pay for them i couldn't really figure that out uh, air raid shelters but uh i'm going to talk about some different ones but if you didn't have an outdoor space which this is in london so lots of people didn't you were encouraged to use communal shelters um i am going to talk about the london underground but if you did have a backyard you could get an anderson shelter Ooh. which was which named was? after sir john anderson and it was two curved corrugated sheets of steel and they were bolted at the top, and then you would sink them three feet into the ground. So in theory, they could be, if they were installed correctly, they could withstand a bomb blast of up to six feet away. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, like, the technology for that time is pretty incredible. 
I know it's crazy, hey? Uh, the only thing that uh, wasn't great with the technology was that most of them leaked. Okay, bummer. Yeah. Uh, they were cold, they were damp, they were cramped, and they actually ended up because of, if you think about it, if you were under like kind of like sheets of steel, like think of yourself in a, um, like kind of a silo kind of thing. Right. Uh, that amplifies the noise of the falling bomb <laughs> quite a bit. So, Mother Amelia. Yeah. So super scary, but um, and wet and cold and damp and tight area. Um, as a alternative, you could use the Morrison shelters. Okay. Which were named after Home Secretary Herbert Morrison. I don't know if he created them or somebody just named them after him. Right. Uh, this was in 1941, so two years after the war had started. It is a rectangle steel and mesh cage. So it's steel on the top and then like on the four sides. Um, and it can... F- I don't believe this because I sent the pictures, but <laughs> apparently it can fit two adults and two children. Uh the, and you can use it indoor or outdoor. They were more popular than the other shelters, but they were less effective because, like, on the sides, it was just mesh. Oh. And you know how bombs can sometimes come from the side? So yeah. that's <laughs> I love not. You know how pretty. bombs are typically side bombs. Yeah. Not always yeah. up, down, top bombs. Yeah. Um, but you know what? You could also use it as a dining table during the day. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> So that's fancy. Yeah, people are crazy. Yep. Uh, going back to the London Underground, I'm sure, like, that's kind of what we always think of as, like, an air raid shelter. Right. When we think of the World War, probably from that movie that Karen Knightley was in. Yeah. <laughs> Atonement? I don't know. Uh, apparently, the government was initially hesitant to allow people to shelter in the London Underground because they feared... Deep shelter mentality. Interesting. Like people would hide in their shelters? I don't know what that means. Yeah. yeah. I would assume like. I guess. They wouldn't want to leave? Yeah. They're like. They become agoraphobic and they just don't want to come out. And they're just like. Yeah. Now I live here and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and obviously that would affect the transport network and probably whatever job they were supposed to be going to. <laughs> uh, but people use them anyways. And so one station in Aldwych was turned into an actual permanent shelter. Uh, but other uh, um, London Underground, that's the subway, seriously. Or the underground train thing. Sure. Yep. Yep. Um they put in bunks, they put in better lighting, they put in washing and toilet facilities. Uh, so kind of making it a little bit more of a a better shelter. Um, I also read, this was in The Splendid and the Vile, so I'm quoting off the top of my head because I don't have it, but there was like a lot of fancy hotels that you could stay in and they would have like their own kind of shelters. So there's definitely, a as per the UK, there's definitely a class system as to where you were right. and where you would shelter. Uh, the other aspect of prepping for this was the blackout. So in the 1st of September 1939, blackout was enforced. That meant that all light ex- escaping houses, offices, factories, or sharps... Let me try that again. Okay. All light escaping houses, offices, factories, or shops had to be cardboarded, painted, or used curtains to block any light that was coming out they actually did um 
practices to see that no light was coming out of anybody's houses or, or businesses because they could be used by an enemy bomber to locate targets. So if, for example, you are in, uh, if you're like an area of factories and stuff, then they would know, oh, we should probably bomb this factory uh, because this is a, you know, this is a business area. Or if they sell like lots of lighting in houses, obviously it's a very populated area, so let's bomb there. Right. Uh, and you could be fined if this was not uh, complied to. The other thing that was the couple of things, you couldn't wash the blackout curtains. Oh. Which I don't know. Are people washing their curtains that often? Um, but they would obviously break down at some kind of, and then they would eventually let in light. Right. So. Yeah. but good. Well, because, like, the sun essentially, like, just, like, bleaches things. I guess so. Yeah. But I don't wash my curtains. Um, I don't. Do wash my curtains? No. It's... They... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so people... buy new ones at IKEA, guys. Yeah, um, they're they're five bucks at IKEA, you guys. <laughs> uh, street lighting and any illuminated signs were all put out. Cars had to have caps put over their lights. Uh, people were forbidden from carrying torches, which is like your flashlights. So right. you would have not been able to use your emergency prep bag. Oh, that's true. I would have been able to do nothing. They would have been like, hey, you with the reflective shovel, get out of here. (laughs) Um, Pedestrians were encouraged to have a white handkerchief on them to make them more visible. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that works. Uh, It seemed to not because uh, this caused some issues. Apparently one in five people were injured during the blackout. And by the end of the first month of war... 1,130 road deaths occurred due to the blackout. God. Yeah, people just got run over. Yeah. Like, I think there's an episode of The Crown where they have that fog and people get hit by the car. Or (laughs) just one lady gets hit by a car. Um, That basically was what was happening throughout the entire blackout. Again, another story from Splendid... I'm thinking off the top of my head. I believe uh, Churchill would actually leave the city and go stay out. There was like kind of a government house. Yeah. Uh, houses, maybe not mansion, uh, estate, one of those things. Um, and they figured out that the, I think it was the rocks in the driveway actually ended up being a light source that pointed directly towards the house. Oh my God. They like illuminated yeah. a path. And and it was just an accident. But it's it's all these things that you don't, think about and that's why they were doing these practices because you know like cars offered a ton of light even back in those days so um you know if you're running about at 11 o'clock at night and they were doing a lot of these bombings in the nighttime obviously um you were attracting attention yeah yeah you couldn't do anything really no that's crazy um that's so, a, approximately, they say also in terms of this, so, um, oops, uh, about 7,000 civil defense people, which I believe is the, um, the volunteers, were killed during the war. Holy. So, they tried to prep, but they didn't. They didn't prep they enough. They didn't always. Yeah. And, they were not um, prepared enough. They were not How do you enough. Well, yeah. That's a thing, though. Uh, They were prepared, but they just, it was not, you know. 
Um, so yeah, if you go onto this uh, link, I'll put in here, you know, some of the things we're talking about. Um, don't do it, mother. Leave the children where they are because all the children were taken out of the uh, city and sent into the uh, countryside to, to forget to, sorry, to, um, to prevent them from getting bombed. Um, there's a picture of this weird, this is what I call it. The new government steel indoor table shelter. It's, uh, it's like a, yep. It's uh, oh, a like steel Like you cage. hide under the table, essentially? No, it's, it, go to the link. It's a very scary. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is not okay. You're like, oh God. Um, yeah, okay. Nuts. You see the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's like an animal cage. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, no thanks. I'm good. <laughs> that also would not fit two adults and two children. That might fit two adults. I think they're like lying down in this picture. Um, that would make me very, very scared. Um, also, telling people to wear white so that they can be seen in the blackout. Right. Um yeah, telling you how to, like, ride your bike. Like, it's little stuff like that, right? Like, if you have a, a lamp on your bike or you have a um, reflector or whatever. Right. Like, you both need that, but you also, that could call attention. So, it's very... Like, you never know what to do. Yeah. So, there's one that's, like, a flashing torch is dangerous. Wave something white to flag down a bus. Ugh. Uh, yeah. And this is six years of this on and off oh my god this would cause incredible panic <laughs> yeah. onset panic yeah so um i just kind of wanted to do because i just thought it was a very interesting thing in terms of uh you know a prepping but for something that that we don't really in our society have to deal with at the moment thankfully uh but that we that there are these things that there are governmental, uh, you know, yeah, issues and, and stuff. So yeah. Anyways. Oh my god. Very cool. Very cool. Oh my. I'm just looking through all these things, and they're just like they all contradict each other. They're like hide. I know. Wave white. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Shut up. And then don't. Yeah. Um. Ask a policeman or a warden where you can find a I rest center. But above it, it says, if you are bombed out or have no friends to go to. Oh, God. <laughs> this is so crazy. So, of course, yeah. in um, in our current uh, state of zero taste, we have paired this mm -hmm. with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, uh, and what alcohol have we paired it with, Carla? A uh, shot. Cool. Oh, yeah. And a shot cool first aid cool first aid with a k with a k with cool like kool-aid well here's yeah. the thing uh there's not gonna be much room uh to mm -hmm. pack all kinds of booze but you can pack enough for a shooter <laughs> mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is a uh, hundred uh 151 proof rum <laughs> and kool-aid yep. yeah <laughs> it's basically rum and kool-aid you guys yeah you're you're not gonna have enough uh, room for anything else, so just nope. pour the Kool Aid on the bottom, float the rum on the top, and get it in you. And get it in you. I mean, also you could use it to clean your wounds. Yeah, you'll be Maybe fine. Not the Kool Aid. Don't put the Kool Aid in there. Um, 
Yeah, don't. You just can just put the rum in there. But if you want, put the Kool Aid yeah. in there. <laughs> it's just a pack. It's just a pack of sugar. You can mix it with water. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know what that does to wounds. Oh yeah, in your. Oh yeah, don't put it wounds. in your wounds. For God's no, sake, don't put it. Don't put it in but your if wounds. you're having surgery, emergency, Amer- like preparedness surgery, uh, emergency preparedness surgery. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was have- that? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you have to have surgery because you're in, like, okay, so as a preparation, you should have alcohol <laughs> for multiple reasons. Oh my god! Probably so you don't kill the person that you're preparing with. Um, but then you can use it for its good medicinal issues, and then you can throw a little Kool Aid in there. Yeah, Kool Aid's not going bad. No, which is a big thing. No, for preparedness. For preparedness, you could keep it in there yeah. for almost forever. Uh, I'm pretty sure ever, forever. Uh, yeah, I don't think Kool Aid goes bad, man. So honestly, and rum doesn't really go bad. The longer, the better, baby. Apparently, Twinkies do. Twinkies do go bad. They lied to you. Yeah. They go bad. Lied. All those zombie films aren't telling the truth. <laughs> do you have any fun facts for us? Sorry, I kind of jumped on your drink. Uh, How do you, you? That's I guess all we've got. That's there. all. Honestly, <laughs> it's a shot. It's a shot with uh, Kool Aid and rum in it. It's called the first. It's called the cool first cool aid. Cool first aid. <laughs> and it was honestly, um, it was the most simple and the easiest to bring along with you, and it, no mm-hmm. need for no muss, no fuss. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got some interesting facts about mostly just alcohol and Kool Aid. Okay. Uh. Okay, so let's do it with the Kool-Aid ones first. Apparently, it was originally, because it was like an ordered through mail thing, um, they switched it from the liquid to the, uh, what he saw Jello was doing. Oh, the powder. Which was uh, powder. So that made it um, much better to go through the mail rather than your gross liquid leaking. Yeah, and it was originally called Fruit Smack. It was called Fruit Smack? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, Kool-Aid yeah. is funner, though. Yeah. But fruits, so. like, I like anything that ends in smack. Smack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things they did that was kind of interesting, I don't, I don't want to call it a marketing ploy, but I guess it kind of is. In 1933, they cut the price of the packets in half. So with one packet, you can pretty much fill up like a, you just add water for anyone that has never had Kool-Aid before. Yeah. Um. Ask your servant how to make Kool-Aid in that case. Um, But yeah, you could basically make like an entire jug of water with one packet. So when they cut it the price in half, it actually became extraordinarily popular during the Great Depression. Uh, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it was a nickel per packet. So it was something that like was kind of seen as being worth... uh, putting your money into because it could could spread so far right okay let's talk about drinking the kool-aid oh yeah 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 uh okay so jonestown 1978 cult leader jim jones made 900 of his followers drink what people say is like uh drink the kool-aid they mean is like i don't know how do you describe it like um like as in, uh, you, you like you you're buying what someone's selling. You're like believing a cult. Yeah, you're following the cult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So he made uh his nine hundred followers drink 
not Kool-Aid. Can I, I can I guess what it is? Yeah, please. Tang. No, it was oh. Flavor-Aid. Oh, Flavor-Aid. I thought it was Tang. No, but you knew that it was not. I knew that um, it was not Kool-Aid. Yeah, but that's where that saying yeah. comes from. Yeah, yeah. I know, and it's insane. And it, and I mean, like the article I was reading was like, like nine hundred people died. Stop saying that. But also, um, but also, it's it's no different than. I mean, it is different, but it's just people use brand names to describe something. So like, yeah, so exactly. like, so I'll always say to somebody, "Get me some Scotch tape." Right. But yeah. Scotch tape is a brand. Right. Like that's not you know that's not the actual. What is the scotch tape called? It, it's called just, I think it's like, or like duct tape. tape. Duct, duct tape, tape is actually gaffer tape. Like it's the, oh. like it's not like duct tape is an actual brand yeah. name. Oh, okay. There's all kinds of stuff we do that with. So like flavor right. aid was a rip up of Kool-Aid. So it's not. Kool-Aid. Yeah. I know, but I just, it's a weird thing that we, cause it was uh flavor aid mixed with cyanide, Ugh. diazepam. Um, promethazine and chloral hydrate. I didn't realize it was mixed with so many things. Um, and so this was obviously poisonous. It killed 900 people and including 300 children. Oh my So yeah, God. it's just a weird thing. It's one of those, th- I, this is why I kind of like history, but like, you're like, that's not even correct. <laughs> I know. But not, uh, most things aren't. No. It's just uh, like some variation so like everyone can... <laughs> make somebody see yeah. less than yeah 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 but yeah next time you hear somebody say drink the kool-aid you can be a dick and be like it was flavor aid and you, also yeah you can children died so you're stop like actually <laughs> it was flavor aid <laughs> yeah you can be that guy uh, at the party <laughs> um and back into the fun fun things oh yeah fun, um, fun 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 so i looked into uh emergency prep and alcohol uh Alcohol, apparently, according to this prepper website I was on, keeps its value as it's not dependent on time frame or state of mind. So they were saying basically that food, if you if someone's hungry, then food you can sell for more or less. Um, but alcohol just Stays is fun all the time, I think is what they were trying to make <laughs> point of. Or probably people, you know, like, I mean, I bet you if it started, like, in a thing, like, they were like, we're running out of vodka, I bet you vodka would be worth a fortune. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't under, quite understand the, how they're saying it keeps its value, but I guess it keeps its value. It never loses of, its, its value. It's very valuable. Yes, yeah, it's, it's never. Always yes, valuable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it is an effective disinfectant. Uh, it keeps wounds free of infection. It can help with nausea. <laughs> and it can also cause nausea. Um, <laughs> and it also makes dental work bearable. <laughs> so, you got to get a tooth yoinked. <laughs> I mean, anything 60% above can uh, uh, percentage, what's it called, uh, proof? Yep. 60% above can be used um, as surgical alcohol. Oh, wow. Uh, 40% above can be used to disinfect wounds. Oh, wow. So those are different. <laughs> I don't want to fly around with surgical alcohol. Yeah, let's not. Hey, you guys, these aren't tips. These <laughs> yeah, are just these uh, are fun facts. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I don't know what that means. Um, apparently, of the things to, if you're going to emergency prep this, the things to keep are moonshine uh-huh. and spirits because they do not expire. Okay. 
So, and, and this person suggests that moonshine is actually best for prepping. And I don't, I'm assuming he means like moonshine, lollipops, and prepping. <laughs> all the things yep. that make me want to hang myself. I, <laughs> uh, you guys. Because I don't know if the moon, the artisanal moonshine that you get at like your local farmer's market is the same. <laughs> um, but because it's it's the high alcohol content, right? Right. And so he said, yeah, moonshine is the best for prepping and, and coolers are the worst because they're expensive. They have like a very short uh, shelf life and they are low alcohol proof. Okay. So take those nudes or those Smirnoff ices and <laughs> don't prep with them. I heard take those nudes and nudes in a very different context. <laughs> I was like, take those nudes, get out there. You only live once. Uh, yeah. Nudes, sorry, is a is like one of those. What uh, yeah. are they called now? Like uh, the vodka. Yeah, vodka drinks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Are those your fun facts? Those are my fun facts. You guys, uh, thank you again for joining us uh, for another episode. Uh, we do this every week. New topic, new drink, uh, mm-hmm. new fun facts. Same Carla, same Brittany. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, We're sorry about that one. Yep. We are. Yeah, we apologize <laughs> for everything we've ever done. But you know what? Sometimes we learn things and it, uh, it changes our view on the world. Yeah, sure. Uh, we thank you for listening. Check all my alcohol for what percentage it is now. I'm gonna guess that what we were drinking was 90 proof. Um, (laughs) now I can go do surgery. Now I am (laughs) as all I've learned from this podcast. Uh, you guys, thank you for listening so much. Uh, we do this every week. Uh, you can head over to our website, www.lifepairingspodcast.com. All kinds of fun stuff on there. Uh, there's our Patreon in the top right corner. If you feel like you want to join the Patreon, we got all kinds of extra bonus features and different levels of Patreon. Uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.